All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, my host Nick and Dan, and gentlemen, we are back, back home, butts in seats. As you see, the remote background is no more. Back in the home studios, Dan, just in time from yet a vacation after vacation before a vacation, which is usually how your life rolls. Look, it's important to get time to recuperate afterwards. They didn't just summon the players back to Cobham immediately after their U.S. tour. They got a day or two before the training began in earnest again, Nick. And look, it's important. Everybody takes a little bit of time. The Premier League season is about to happen, and it's going to be long. It's going to be 38 games again. Crazy, I know. The night is long and full of terrors. Dan, is that what you're saying? Um... Depends upon who you're talking about. Yeah, I, I would give a special shout out because we can't stop publishing podcasts to the uh, Sam Times Ollie Glanville pod that was published on Saturday. Uh, so in case you're not a Saturday pod listener, but, you know, maybe adjust your schedule. I don't know. But uh, they did a great job uh, breaking down to Saucy and Ugo Chukwu, uh, two new signings for Chelsea Football Club. So uh, if you want to go learn all there is to know about both of these players, uh, especially DeSassi and how he might fit into the first team, uh, that would be a phenomenal uh, choice to make. So you're listening to this podcast, just scroll one back, and there you got that one. Boom. It's in the feed, along with all of our live pods. It was fun on the U.S. Summer Tour. Uh, if you missed that somehow, go check it out. We had a nice recap uh, from D.C. after the— And, and also uh, Blue Royalty— uh, has been publishing tons of women's podcasts over the over the World Cup window. Uh, obviously not great news for the American contingent today, but uh, lots of good stuff there too. So you guys know, we just continually publish stuff. It's there for you while you're mowing the lawn, while you're drinking a beer, whatever you're doing. Bam, pods. All right. Well, we are going to be covering the latest going on in Chelsea. It's our Monday update. You know, we've been doing weekly updates all summer, so we keep that going. Uh, talking about uh, second-choice goalkeepers, potential deal with Crystal Palace, and uh, another day in the life of uh, you coming, Casado. What's up? Uh, so let us jump into it, Dan, with some thanks, some gratitudes, some appreciations. I'm just, I'm just shocked you read through a joke I put in there for you that you could have used that it was the second choice, second choice keeper completely rounded that one. It God. looked like a redundancy. It looked like no. a typo. From the department of redundancy department, Dan. <laughs> well, anyway, we just want to say thanks. Everybody helps support the show. You can, uh, if you want to, you know, join a wonderful community and uh, support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash London blue pod, but Hey, plenty of free ways to support the show as well. Five star reviews and Apple podcasts and Spotify always appreciate it. Always warms our hearts, always helps it make it easier to find the podcast for people who are looking for a Chelsea podcast. And it looks a lot of people are going to be looking at this time of the season. So always appreciate that. And we're on the push still for 30,000 subscribers on YouTube, getting very, very close within a couple hundred here of 26,000. So again, the journey is long, but it's going quicker than maybe we thought. So we appreciate everybody who follows us on there too. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, tip it off with some quick hits, essentially things that have been bubbling up over the weekend. And the first one is that uh, Angelo, Angelo, Gabriel will join Strasbourg on loan. The plan was never diverted, Nick. Always from the beginning, he was brought in with a look to, to Strasbourg. Obviously, he had some bright moments in preseason, but he's young. They want him to play a ton of minutes. And France is a safe league to go do that. So off to our sister club in France. Well, and uh, he has quite the manager to learn from in Vieira, which I think is going to be a really interesting thing. Vieira, who 
uh, once coached one Michael Luce. So, you know, let's see how that how that goes from a right right winger perspective. Uh, yeah, look, I I think we came away from the first two matches pretty impressed with Angelo. I think where he is going to face challenges is just the tactical nuances of kind of big boy football, you know, where he isn't the biggest, fastest, strongest guy uh, in, in the in the league. He's going to have to learn his craft a little bit more. But there were some really, really good uh, passes where he cut in Dan on his left foot. He obviously had a great assist that way to, to Ben Chilwell in the first game against Wrexham. So, look, bright, bright flashes, just maybe not ready for prime time yet. We heard Pochettino has been saying all preseason, a squad of 23 to 25 players and then a few youngsters hanging around, most likely filled from the academy lot, considering that you will be able to flex them up or down for contribution into PL2. So keeping that in mind, just do... 11, draw it up, put your two people in each position, first choice and second choice option in the 4-2-3-1. Angelo is not likely the second or third choice option in most of those, probably the third choice in most of those, and so that means not enough minutes here. So that makes that that is the point of the season we're at. We are in loan evaluation season. If you're not going to get several hundreds uh, to nearly a 1,000 minutes, better to go on loan where you might get 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 minutes. And when you you double down with the David Washington to Chelsea imminent and and saying that they're both going to Strasbourg, they're both Brazilian, um, this under uh, shit not Evra but Vieira. Sorry, I'm getting my names flipped around here. I really enjoyed what Vieira was able to do with Palace. I know they hit a rough run, but when he got sacked, he played like City, Liverpool. Uh, United or something like yeah. he was on the impossible run of the season and like hey this is when we really decided that look Palace need to be performing better against these big teams it was like it was a weird time to sack him and I'm not saying that it was all roses but what he would build and remember like the Roy Hodgson team before that and the and the managers that came before him Palace were very rigid team he turned this team into free-flowing some really cool uh passages of play that they had and stuff and then they they just binned him in like the first moment of adversity i think was a little tough so i'm excited to watch these young players because i think that Vieira knows what a young player needs and he's going to give them the confidence he's obviously french speaks french uh he's going to know legal very well i'm really buying into this project that's going on over there at blue co nick yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, this David San- or sorry, David Washington of Santos uh, name came out of nowhere at the end of last week, and it's like Chelsea scouts were obviously deep in South America plucking out, you know, the likes of Kendry Paez and uh, you know Andre Santos and all these guys who are who are now kind of coming to Chelsea. It's almost like the the South American Revolution has has kind of kick started, and you know because Chelsea are looking to buy you know, another club perhaps in Portugal, which has a very easy visa program with Brazil and maybe, you know, one other club too, you can see how this, you know, kind of contingent becomes a reality, right? Dan, you, you see a, a David Washington who, uh, look, in, in one season last year, really only nine matches as he was called up, only two goals and, and no assists, had about 1.7 XG uh, this isn't something that's going to blow you away, but you see some of the highlights and you see the, you know, kind of the scouting report that's been done on him. And you're like, 
Yeah, maybe three, four years down the road, right? I mean, he's, you know, 18, right? And so this is a player that is not one for Chelsea right now. It seems like a lot of money, right? 20 million euros is a lot of money for someone who had two goals and no assists in the uh, in, in the Serie A of, uh, of Brazil last year. But, you know, it's, it's more about the long-term vision and not buying the 100 million pound Caicedo when you could have got him for five. Well... Make it so much easier on you both. His nickname is Presidente. And Come on! So if you want to make is. it, if you want to make it that much easier, instead of uh, again, the, we, we don't always do the best job in the show about pronunciations. But Washington uh, goes Washington Presidente. There you go. Uh, here, here's why this one came around. You had Wahi Chelsea ran for Montpelier. Want 40 million euros. Chelsea had an offer somewhere around 30 million euros. Frankfurt's pulled ahead. They have Kolomwani, who's going to likely be leaving here. So that creates a need to fill the spot. While he would go to Frankfurt, uh, David Washington would come to Strasbourg, and he would then go play there. So, like again, this is all all the ruminations, all the kind of dominoes falling about what happens when you don't get your first choice option and uh, seemingly has less uh, less concern surrounding his uh, background at the moment. So Less uh, that, personal a, problems. Nice well. Yeah. Woo. Look, uh, obviously, I think Chelsea are testing the connection here, wanting to really suss it out and see how it goes and, and get a couple bodies from South America to France, see how it goes, so they can then see what the connection from France to the Premier League is. This is just them figuring out how that system works, but uh, bagging up the Brazilians. And, and clearly, Angelo would have said something to the club hierarchy about El Presidente, right? They would have, they're on the same team. They both came from Santos. Like, there's definitely going to be a referral there, which I think, you know, probably was important. Uh, the other loan situation right now is that Leicester City are, are now saying, oh, hey, Chelsea, figure it out. Are we doing this or not with Chester A? Like, where are we at? I know we played a bunch of minutes in preseason. What do you guys want to do? And I'm sure from Dan, from Chelsea's perspective, sit and go, uh, we're still trying to figure out our midfield a little bit. I don't know if you've heard, Leicester. Uh, there's this thing going on with Brighton. We're trying We're trying to get to the bottom of this. So, I'm sure Chelsea want to wait until one to two more pieces are secured before they let him go out. The thing is, he's not above Connor Gallagher. He's not above Chukwemeka. He's not. He's not above other names on the list. And again, if you are not number one or number two right now, it is loan evaluation time. This is loan season. This is where we're at. Cassidy, Lester, good loan. Championship is looking extremely competitive yes. again this year. I think. Coventry is going to be very Coventry City uh, are going to be very interesting to watch. Think Southampton look ready to go uh, rock and roll again, and so potentially could be playoff spots for some teams that want to make their way back up. So again, I think it's a good loan. Let's just get it done and allow him to go get the minutes he needs this season to improve. Well, and Leicester just barely won in like the 90th minute uh, today. So like, there's. They need help, obviously. This makes sense. But yeah, until one very large fucking domino falls, it <laughs> it's really impossible to just start, you know, removing your own leverage. You know, it's, it's just uh, it's a tough situation for everybody. Well, I mean, minutes. Minutes in the name of the game for the kid. He got a bunch in preseason. Uh, again, I think a season the championship would do wonders for his career. Still young as well, like 2021. 20, I like to hear that Enzo Moresca considers him to be one of the priority targets, so that's good. 
Now we just, this is where it's crunch time. Figure it out. Let's, let's make it happen. And then last, but certainly not least, DDF, David Dr. Fafana enjoying him some goals. He was involved in three goals in just 62 minutes for Union Berlin against Atlanta. He had two goals and an assist. Uh, assist in the 26th, goal in the 28th, goal in the 52nd minute. Good for him. Um, pretty sure we don't have much to add on that, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, again, though, when Dan talks about loan evaluation time, this is what you do on loan. If you're given the opportunity to go play on loan, whether it's at Strasbourg or Union Berlin or anywhere, Leicester City, if you can go and impress and you know that there are 24, ideally, players back at Chelsea that you have to beat out to get back into that team and however many in your position group, scoring two goals and having an assist at the weekend is a pretty goddamn way to goddamn good way to do that, right? Like this is... It's not saying that it's apples to apples, Dan, but again, we've had so many loans at Chelsea go haywire throughout the years where they just had, you know, the player hasn't played or they haven't played well. This looks like it's going to be successful, assuming everyone stays healthy. Yeah, the goals would be going to look are worth going to look for because uh, I think both of them show really strong composure in you know with the ball at his feet in front of goal. One, he in, you know basically gets a. a cross from midfield into his path as he's running a diagonal from the right side into the box chests it down to the ground so that he's able to get in his path kicks it uh, hits it across the goalkeeper's body uh, so the ball you know goalkeeper's coming out and he crosses it right as the goalkeeper you know, he was still running left so really nice control there and in the second one it was really just a beat your man scenario and did a really really good job to just visit by the keeper so like really really good composure in front of the goal too got a lot of love from the union berlin fans as well at the end of the game so ultimately really good start to this loan for him and look this is the best the best type of thing that could happen is that he excels on loan and then you have questions next year about how do you integrate the player well, much more to come from him. We'll continue to keep it open. If anyone is a Bundesliga expert, let us know. We're going to need a little bit of a uh, maybe a monthly update on him and what is going on. But anyways, we're going to take our first ad break. When we get back, jump it into our backup to the backup to the second string to the thing Dan said earlier, goalkeeper, Mr. Sanchez. We'll be right back. All right. Goalkeeper union time, gentlemen. I uh, feel bad. I feel a little like I've been betraying my people. Uh, normally, when Chelsea announced a new signing, out of solidarity and out of support, I just like the posts. I haven't been liking these posts. You can check. You can audit me. Um, maybe here and there, but not as much as I normally do. And it's because I'm just not that excited, Dan. I have my opinions. I have reasons about it, but I, I just, it's not something that I'm like, ah, oh, awesome. Tidy bit of business from the club. This is great. Camera one, zoom, zoom in real quick. Robert Sanchez, Brandon Busby's just not in that, into you. <laughs> Seven year deal, 20 million plus wow. five. Seven. I mean, that's what blew my mind. Seven years. And it's got to be okay. for financial reasons, so, obviously. Yeah. You keep the wage bill low over a seven-year time horizon versus a five-year deal where you potentially be paying more over the lifetime of the contract. So you give the player a little bit more security and you allow yourself to have a lower weekly wage bill amount. Um, 
Well, just, just like, to clarify, we, the, the wages don't really fluctuate. It's the amortization of the twenty yeah. million, which is lower yeah. over the seven years, which means our total compensation but bill they, they is lower. Plugged that loophole, so we only have it for five and a half years, right? To over the total. So I don't know what we're doing, Dan. But go ahead. You were saying. All right, so let's just read the summary from Chelsea's website to remind everybody who uh, Sanchez is. Of course, he comes from Brighton, which is going to just be, uh, you know, it's a trigger warning unto itself. So, uh, Sanchez left his homeland to sign with Brighton just at 15 years old and has progressed to the club's academy. He enjoyed successful loan spells at Forest Green Rovers and Rochdale before establishing himself as the Seagulls' first-choice goalkeeper during the 2020-2021 campaign. The 25-year-old quickly impressed in the Premier League and built a reputation for fine shot-stopper for being a fine shot stopper and goalkeeper comfortable with building possession and starting attacks. Sanchez's performance during the 2021-22 campaign, his first full season at Brighton's number one, helped the Seagulls keep 11 top-flight clean sheets, a club record in a single Premier League season. Are you pumped yet or what? I'm still not. Still not pumped. I have a ton of respect for him to leave his home country, go into the English system, and uh, work his way through it. I have a lot of respect there. He's still only 25. He's had some ups and downs, as we'll see in the radars, but we've got some pros and cons here, Nick, and I mean, I'll let you guys dabble because I feel like I'm just going to ramble and rant. Yeah, look, he obviously did not play very much last year, right? As soon as Deserby came in, Deserby replaced him with Steele, right, who is a 31-year-old journeyman goalkeeper who is now the first-choice goalkeeper at Brighton. Um. Uh, I'll let Dan do the pros and cons because he wrote the script. But I think for me, when we talked about our need at goalkeeper before the transfer window opened, right, it was pretty clear that Mendy was on his way out and that we were in dire need of either a number one or a number two that was going to challenge Keppa to be a better number one. I don't, I don't think any this solves any of those problems. I don't think he's a number one based on where he was last year. And based on the radars that we're looking at, which are only as good as, you know, giving us kind of a a baseline of stats, not full performances. I I don't think we're necessarily going to get the backup. Who's going to push him either. And, and Dan, I, I, Look, I, I got to trust the football people in the club, but this just seems so out of bounds for me. It seems so weird that we would do this unless it was a guarantee to get Caicedo and that was it. Like, then it's leverage and whatever, and then we got a midfielder, thank God. But, like, on its own, it makes no sense. Well, thank you for spoiling the fact that it actually is not – it's not just pros and cons. It's pros, cons, and conspiracy theories. It's a new type of segment we're trying here specifically for Robert Sanchez. So uh, you're welcome. What a great addition to Chelsea to have this as a part of that entry into the club. Pros, look, I will also say I didn't I didn't feel super warm about the signing. Just again, like I think we're being very honest here in, in this space. We have an opportunity to share that. So the pros that I came up with are three of them. That he's club trained, so that is good from a squad assembly standpoint. That's nice. He knows the Premier League. Pochettino said he's looking for players who have Premier League experience. Whether or not that's good or bad experience, he didn't necessarily (laughs) underline that, but he did ask for players with Premier League experience. And he claims uh, crosses better than Kepa does currently. And so if you're looking for things that maybe management of the box, some of the deficiencies on our set pieces... 
that might be something that you would be happy about. Cons, on the other side, would be that it feels like a massive overpay relative to the market. There are a lot of goalkeepers available. Goalkeepers available for less money who potentially have played more games or are in better performances in their respective leagues. Again, not necessarily Premier League trained, not necessarily club trained. So, I mean, I guess if that's what you're indexing against, maybe you feel that the overpay was right and that the overall data doesn't necessarily suggest that he is a upgrade on Keppa, so that he is effectively a firm number two and a number two that you really don't want to see for the majority of the season. And the conspiracy theory is Chelsea paid up to facilitate the Caicedo deal. That that's the that is the current conspiracy theory that everyone is hanging on to to make this deal feel just a little bit better. It, but what's wild to me, like let's pretend that Chelsea were buying him as a backup to Kappa. Why would you give him seven years? Like the 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 fee isn't that much. So like if it was a hundred million for the fee or whatever, like it would have been for Mignon or whatever. Like yeah, then you give him the longer deal to to split the wages up a little bit better, but or not the wages, the, the transfer fee. But why give the backup seven years? Like that's bananas. The only other thought I have, if you're thinking about what happens next summer is that this is the path to basically stopgap for a year and then to go big for a goalkeeper next season and that Sanchez has an understanding that he is very much the number two with Bettinelli, very much the number three, and that's just kind of Chelsea's goalkeeping infrastructure. And how did that work out for him last season, Dan? I'm not saying that that it did or did not work out well. Uh, I'm just saying that that's... If I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the sporting directors, maybe that's a justification. Okay. Well, here's here's kind of where I'm at with everything. My big problem is the fact that you're buying a goalkeeper at his lowest point in his short career. And now you have to rebuild him. Obviously... There's one person very specifically at the club who is uh, convinced people he can do that, and that is Ben Roberts, who is not affiliated with the first team anymore. He is Blue Co. head of goalkeeping things. So he's not even going to be around Cobham full-time, nor training him full-time. Tony Jimenez is. He is an intense dude, this Jimenez. I watched him in pre-match on preseason, and he barks, and he engages, and he clashes. And I don't think that that's a problem. I just think that that's something to think about is that we're buying Robert Sanchez on Ben Roberts' big push, but Ben Roberts isn't really around to be there. So, okay, weird disconnect. So you're buying a guy at his lowest point, hoping that he turns it around, changes scenery, right? Hey, it'll work for him. He just needs to change the scenery. I don't know about that. I do think for him, a pro is that he probably is coming in being like, I can knock Kepa off. I do think he's going to come in, train hard, and push for that number one because I feel like he's got a chance to do it. The seven years, Dan, is a problem if this is a stopgap. What stopgap is seven years? It, it Because now we know that Chelsea are at the top of the food chain, relatively speaking. If he is a backup for two years and you try to move him on the third year, 
he doesn't want to let go of those top club wages. Like this is the problem that we see over and over at big clubs. It's hard to move your squad players or players that fall out of favor for a lo- unless it's a loss. Seven years is crazy, especially when you said they tied up the loophole. I don't get it. You just have to hope that his wages aren't that good. Like you have yes. to hope because he was a backup last year that we got him for 50 grand a week or something. Like, I, I mean, I don't think that's the case, but like, it's just, this is beyond puzzling and it's beyond puzzling for another reason, which is like, yes, this is a gap that we've needed to fill since Mendy left in June, but it's not the gap that we need to fill, right? It's, we have other gaps to fill. And this just feels like when you're in a video game and they make you do a side quest for no fucking reason, like that's, that's what this feels like to me. So I think that like, there's potential here. Like he's definitely going to challenge Keppa, and like Keppa's not going to be the number one de facto. Like I do like that. We're going to have a battle. What, do you really puts, think so? Yeah. Do you really think we're going to have a battle? I don't. Yeah. I, I think Keppa's number one easy and I don't think he gets moved. It's Keppa. I, well, look, Keppa has a wobble. Like, Ooh, here, here's the real there. question: Over under on starts for Keppa this season? Ooh, uh, that would Premier be twenty. Just Premier League has to be twenty again. What, what other competitions? Like, are you we're talking about League Cup? Maybe that's where Sanchez just gets an automatic. <laughs> I, like, yeah, you're I saying mean, twenty. The the over twenty under, is the number. The line has to be actually like twenty five, doesn't it? If you're the number one. Well, if you're the number one, I mean, goalkeepers typically play 32 plus games a season. If you want a right. de facto invincible goalkeeper, you're talking 32 to 35 games a season. There's that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but I, but yeah. I'm putting, but that's not where I'm putting Kepa. That's my point. I'm putting his line at 20. I'm over. Wow. You so you like even if it's like wow. Yeah, I think okay. he has. Give me that over. Uh, let us know your thoughts after the episode. Does Kepa start more than 20 games yeah. this season? He, That's the line that Brandon Busby said. I think you have one goalkeeper in to December, and then you have another one the back half of the season. I, I Thank I mean, you, Mr. Brandon Busby. You're crazy for this one. <laughs> I, I Genuinely, I think, like, unless Pochettino went through preseason and truly hates what he sees with Kepa, I don't think there's any chance that Sanchez is better than Kepa. That is where my head is at. We do have the 2020-2021 radars. And then we have the Kepa versus Sanchez radars of Kepa's 2019, the best season. Um, or he, I'm sorry, the, his worst season he's had versus Sanchez's 2022, where he didn't really play much. And it's eclipsing. But when you look at Sanchez at his best, when he had two seasons back-to-back that he's good under Ben Roberts, like... He's actually quite a, a a reliable goalkeeper. I mean, fantasy Premier League players had him. Brighton were cruising from a defensive standpoint. Uh, th- there is a goalkeeper in here. The question is, can he get there again? One thing I would say between crosses and shot stopping, if he can beat Keppa, I mean, we know how many goals we give up because Keppa's number one versus a, a better shot stopper. So I think if, if we start to concede some quote-unquote soft goals, Nick, that's where you're going to see the the cracks and if if Sanchez has a good league cup game a good FA cup game maybe they throw him in against Luton Town or something like that I think that he's gonna weasel his way in is how I kind of see it happening yeah I mean look oh oh sorry last point is because Kepa's contract is winding down Sanchez is just starting if you got to take a pot on someone you know Kepa's on his way out at the end of the season anyways do you invest in him or do you give the minutes to Sanchez who just signed a seven-year deal (laughs) 
well, in an ideal world, you don't, you don't give him a fucking seven-year deal. <laughs> I don't understand. This is the thing I don't understand. But, like, I, I think the only positive thing I have to say about this, Dan, is that he is only 25. And goalkeepers don't reach kind of, like, peak maturity until their late 20s, typically. And, like, some th- of us there never is, do. Well, <laughs> not, not pointing any fingers, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I, I think that's the only thing, like if he's in the right mindset and he, he gets, I mean, he has six, six, which is, you know, helpful, uh, when it comes to some of the longer shots that we were tired of seeing go in the top corner, like it's, it's not impossible, but I just don't think he's a better keeper than Kepa. Uh, I would like to pull the stats here real quick. Let me, I want to, if you guys can, Step man. At, if you guys could look at the uh, group chat real quick, I think you're going to be really impressed with, uh. Robert Sanchez's um, bio stats here from FB Ref. They've got him at two foot eleven inches, four hundred and thirty-two pounds. <laughs> Are we sure it's the right Robert Sanchez? <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, I am. It, 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 it's no, it's not. Um, because the the one that actually is him does have his wages listed currently at uh, twenty five thousand a week. So yeah. Nick's comment earlier about wages uh, should not necessarily have a massive oh. uh, bump. I you like, can move fifty k on, please. I, I like That's, the two foot eleven, four hundred and thirty two pounds versus his six five and a half, hundred ninety two pounds. Rick Glanville would be like, that was Chelsea's first keeper. Was <laughs> <laughs> he filled the entire goal, you know? Yeah. Oh, sheesh. All right, anyways, enough of the goalkeeper chat. I could keep us here a lot longer than we want to. Uh, but Keppa is on about 150000 <laughs> a week. So a little bit of discrepancy. Uh, rebalancing the wage bill there, even if you gave him a bump over his uh, Brighton wages, no big deal. Who else is down around that? Bet Nelly's at thirty five thousand. So I bet Sanchez is going to be asking for at least thirty six thousand. Bro, I want to be betting so bad. One, one pound. One point. Yeah, Price is Bro, right. His ass. You get a hundred and twenty thousand, roughly a month, just to be Bet Nelly. Uh, like, is this right? Levi Colwell was on five thousand pounds a week, yeah. apparently, before yeah. the. Woo, he got a big old bump. Again, capology is just a reference point. It is not it's the, the gospel or historical text. It's the truth. All right, we're going to take a last ad break. When we get back, we're all about the future of the club. So thank you to sponsors. We'll bear it back. The future. Ooh. All right. Elise, gentlemen, I've uh, checked my box for the day. I'll let you guys spin on attackers because, I mean, who really knows? Oh, your uh, your fitness is uh, a little low these days, huh? Uh, cool. Look, it's Nick. a sixty minute sub out. You know yeah. that, that's that's the thing. Keep him healthy huh. for the whole season. We've got another two hundred pods to do, Nick. Come on, he gets, he gets injured. He gets injured a lot. You know, you just gotta wrap him in cotton wool. It's uh, actually, it's true. You do get injured a lot. That's... One surgery in ten years. <laughs> well, One ACL, and then yeah. everybody calls me the guy who gets injured. Look, Ooh, made of glass. Nick, you your know, problem, whatever. your bigger problem is that Kudus is off the market, and you put all it the is. eggs in his basket, and it looks like Brighton are going to uh, pursue that. And I wonder, like all the overlap between Brighton and Chelsea right now is disgusting. Uh, like Elise. Kudos, we got to decouple, Kaseido. man. I know. We got to de- decouple. Agree. This is tough. I agree. 
Uh, yeah, I look, uh, I made no bones about this uh, in, in the last few pods that given the choice between the two, I thought that Kudus was the better option. He was more versatile, can play in many different positions, could even play central midfield, which apparently is where Brighton is targeting him for. Uh, look, I don't who fucking knows what they're going to do with their players. Uh, he would have been my preference. But as Dan rightly pointed out in the in the big brains group chat, um, of which I, which I am only uh, a member by being grandfathered in. Uh, I think the if if it is simply like taking a chess piece off the board or sacrificing a chess piece so that you open up the avenue to really get this Caicedo deal done, then at the end of the day, Dan, like I am so fucking tired of the Caicedo thing. Just do whatever you got to do to get this shit done. That's that's basically where I'm at. Let's talk about Elise in his own right first, because I think he would be an, a very, very exciting player for mm-hmm. Chelsea to go sign. We've seen him at Crystal Palace, and he looks very much like the a very, very exciting attacking talent. Again, this is so kudos off the board. Shirky was seemingly cooled fully. City are also apparently interested in Elise, but looks to be that Chelsea have moved ahead as far as personal terms with the player. And there's also been reports uh, from Fabrice Hawkins saying that there's a verbal offer that Chelsea have already made around 30 million euros, which is a little under the reported release clause, but there might not be a release clause. Some say there is, some say there isn't when there was a contract extension. So we're just going to leave that one to the side and say there's a verbal offer of 30 million euros. Seemingly feels like there's a deal that could be done there. Chelsea are likely loaning... Lewis Hall to Crystal Palace. Uh, Mitchell currently out. So you could actually see Lewis Hall starting. <laughs> if they get the deal quickly, he could start as left back in Crystal Palace's team, like for the opening game of the season. That would be really, really exciting. Uh, again, Palace and Chelsea actually do have a really strong working relationship. You can remember back to Ruben Loftus Cheek going there for a season to rehabilitate. It was very, very good for him to get minutes in. I, I, I just feel like it seemed like. It, Connor Great Gallagher season. as well. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, phenomenal season. Player of the season for hmm. Crystal Palace. Again, all of it looks like it's a deal that could and should happen. I think it gives you someone to potentially back up in the 10. He He's played there before previously, but more often than not, it's been kind of in that uh, attacking forward right channel. So that would be something where, like, competition for Sterling. Now it does ask the question, about, well, what does that mean for Matawike? Like, there's a lot of, like, knock-on to it. But, I mean, just in isolation, Elise is an exciting player. We'd be, it'd be great to have him at Chelsea. And, you know, his, his stats are, you know, something they're exciting too. Cobham trained, we have to remember. Like, he came through the academy. There was uh, obviously a departure um, in which he left. But, you know, he's a, he's a really interesting player. He is a... Kind of an inverted winger kind of vibe to him, i.e. his left foot is really good at delivering those really tough balls for goalkeepers, Brandon, where it's kind of the in-swinger where you can't really track it as well as you could with kind of maybe more of a traditional like right-footed cross. Uh, He delivered some absolute dimes for Palace last year to their big center forwards uh, like Edward and whoever the other big guy is. Um, But yeah. In a team that... In a team that struggled to score just as much as Chelsea did, Olise was the talisman. 
Yeah, it was it was him and Eze, right? You know, Eze was was playing kind of that like eight ten role as well. Um, he'd be really interesting, but yeah, your your point, Dan. You know, I'll I'll take the other side before Brandon gets into stats. Like, he's only twenty one, right? You just bought uh, our our good friend Noni, and you still have Raz, who seemingly does not have a positional home right now necessarily. Um, what what the hell? What what do you do here? Like I, I I'm it's it just seems like an odd buy instead of like maybe going to look for a striker type vibe. You're gonna overdo the wingers again just after we got rid of a bunch of wingers and we still have Ziesh at the club, by the way. So make it make sense. Well, I think when the live show, right, when when Kudus and Elise were coming out, we we asked the crowd, like, what would you rather have, a goal scorer or someone who's going to create the goal, essentially the assist or the second assist for all you hockey aficionados? Um, Elise is the assist or the second assist. He doesn't score a lot of goals, but my gosh, can he create space in, in tight areas? Uh, he can turn people. He's good on the dribble, um, you know, some people want to claim he came through Cobham, others didn't. Like, there's no doubt that he didn't pass through Cobham. How much credit you want to give, like, it, it's there, up to you. But he had a really good season, minus the injuries, right? He was a little bit of a highlight reel and a very not great uh, Palace team. He came through the Vieira era there, right? Vieira put trust in young, skillful the, players. The era? Get it? You can. You can shorten it up. The Vieira era. Uh, Vieira. The other thing is that in a Roy Hodgson side, which plays a whoa, whoa, whoa. much less exciting brand of football. A Roy Hodgson side. You got to slow it down for the man. Okay. Well, he was tied for fourth overall on assist in the entire Premier League last year at 11 with uh, Saka. So only De Bruyne. Trossard and Sala had more individual assists than Elise had. And I would say Elise had the worst supporting cast of all of those <laughs> yeah. other names. By a, by a mile. mile. Absolute yeah. miles. Yeah, by, by a kilometer. Again, well, we've got to think oh. about this, this, this. This podcast goes to all parts of the world. We have to think about this. Dan is in his metric era, huh? That's what he's doing. <laughs> well, we lost by a millimeter today, so, you know. Yeah, that's very true. My... My only concern, right, is, is the injuries because I do think he invites players to get close so we can get around him. And people, he takes a lot of knocks, takes a lot of kicks, kind of like the Eden Hazard mm-hmm. style treatment. But if you, what we do need is creativity. Teams are going to play in a low block. Like he was cooking. SA was scoring the goals. Elise was creating. They were a, a two man wrecking crew for this group. And I'm trying to look down here to see. On his offensive side of it, in last season, you know, Dan, you're talking about the all everything he's doing. I mean, he was 4.68 shot creating actions per match. He had 143 last season. Like the the his ability to create is is un, un unmatched really, and I think that's the exciting thing that a lot of people um, want to see from him and, and see what he brings. Are we going to have to rely on him? No. Nico Jackson, like that. Oh, Christopher yeah. Christopher Nkunku, like that. <laughs> but my point is, like, it's nice that you don't have to completely rely on him, and he's going to have a little bit of time to um, to settle in and, and kind of figure things out. Easy. 
it's going to be interesting. It feels like if he comes in, Raz or our good friend Noni is is probably on the out, and that's uh, I, there's just not enough room. Uh, you're not going to play two right wingers. You're not likely to play wing backs this year. Your ten spot is going to be in Kunku, right? Like it, you, you start to run out of forward options. Like Monson's there's no guarantee that. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no guarantee that like Mudrick is even going to start, right? Like he hasn't played that much during preseason. So it's, it's like, this is odd. It's like, yeah, him, Mataweke and Matson, essentially the left footed kind of creative players. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the last one, obviously the big one, uh, Caicedo. Why I wanted to bring this up is because, uh, honestly, Nick, I just love watching Deserby literally eat the bullshit he spewed on us soil. Now he has to eat it and be like, Oh yeah, Moises. Um, so he might go actually, uh, but, but, I just want to make it really clear that anyone who's on the team has to want to be here. And, uh, that's really important to us. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty funny. I don't know if Moises leaves, we'll find another important player. Moises stays. I'll be happy for us. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. He has washed his hands. <laughs> Pontius pilot style. Wow. Just, all right. So at Brighton, it's possible to lose some players. We always move forward. <laughs> I feel like that should be under the club's crest. Yeah. At Brighton, it's impossible to lose some players. Uh, goodness. I'm sorry. I had a lot of fun with that today. It's good to outline what happened. He was left off the bench for the friendly match that they had last match before the start of the Premier League season. There was statements from Paul Barber, who's the CEO, saying, oh, it's a hamstring strain, which is similar to what actually Mark Kukurea had when right before he came to Chelsea. Um, I don't know if that's transferitis and in, in just a, a more medical terminology. Uh, injury late in training was pulled out for that reason. With a Premier League season just a week away, it makes no sense to risk him today. You, there, you We talked about the quote that Deserve had. And then there were also reports then from Fabricio that Caicedo's camp was saying that he wants to leave the club and now sending clear messages by not being with the squad that he is actively now trying to do the behind-the-scenes maneuvering to make this deal happen, all the while that you're also hearing new reporting about, uh, you know, Liam had it, Liam Toomey had it earlier last week, but that Tyler Adams is in consideration with a release clause from Leeds as a player that Chelsea are interested as well for around 20 million uh, pounds, it looks like. So, again, does something happen this week? Who knows? Are we uh, at least near the finish line? It feels like it. Are we less than a fucking week away from the start of the Premier League season, Dan? We fucking are. Here's my problem with this whole thing, and I I went off in the group chat earlier, so I I will spare uh, Ollie, who I had a direct engagement with on this. If we end up paying the $100 after all of this quote-unquote negotiation and buying their backup goalkeeper for way more than the, the market value, we are dumb because all we've done is waste every single bit of time this summer that could have been spent integrating him into the squad. If that is the end result, that we pay 100 million pounds for this player that we didn't want to pay 100 million pounds for, pay the 100 million pounds in fucking June. 
and get him in. What the, what are you doing? Because now all, all that's going to happen, assuming that he comes is I'm going to be annoyed, which I already fucking am. And two, he's going to be four to six weeks behind the rest of the team in terms of fitness, conditioning, tactics, everything. Like you can tell me, wow, he's the fittest guy in the world. Chop two weeks off. He's still going to have to figure out how to play in the system and that's not going to happen overnight. And it's certainly not going to happen by the start of the Premier League season now. So what the hell is going on? Look, Done. I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree that he'll be four to six weeks behind. I do feel like it's wasted a lot of time, a lot of newspaper ink, a lot Dan, of trees. How long was, the, the deforestization that occurred because the of the Caicedo deal. Was the preseason a very, month? Very long. Yeah. It was very long. That's why I'm getting the number. From a fitness perspective, I don't necessarily know if his fitness is going to be that far off. I do agree, or I would concede that maybe there's a little bit of a you know climatization period for getting him up to speed with how he's going to partner or how he would partner with Enzo. That would be a question. But he's an upgrade on all the other cast of characters that we have played next to him. Connor Gallagher, who I thought had a really strong end of the preseason. Andre Santos, who I thought had a really strong end of the preseason. Kaiser was an upgrade on both of them. And so, like, that deal in that regard is just... It's still going to be a net positive one if it happens. It's going to be, Brandon, that they're going to find a way for Brighton to say, we got our $100 million, and Chelsea are going to find a way to say, we paid less than $100 million because it's going to be some crazy, like... 7 million pound add-on structure on top of like 92 to 93 that lets them claim 100, lets us claim less than 100, and we walk away not doing business with Brighton again. Have we already forgotten about Robert Sanchez's financial doping scandal here? I mean, what are we talking about? It, it, we've, we paid it. Just like we paid extra for Kukurea so that Levi Cole was alone, which, again, we got we got bodied for our own player. Like, I'm confused. I've now tweeted that I want to break up with with Brighton after this window because they are very uh, um, uh, gaslighting and manipulative uh, footballing partner. Uh, we've got options, apparently. Now what we're seeing is a lot of other players being linked and things like that, too, which is, is like, I, I think, to Nick's point, it's a little too late for that. There's a week left before the season. Like, cool, Tyler Adams is available. He's always been available. Other players, like, is Lavia really not going to get picked up by anybody? It, it does not seem that way. Like, I it wonder seems what as someone if found his, out. His fee is just like too high, fifty million. Southampton wants too much money, and yeah. Liverpool doesn't want to pay it. Interesting. Basically, yeah, I mean, the the Adams thing is really interesting, though. And I know there's a lot of schools of thought about Americans in general and American midfielders, whatever. Tyler Adams was our best player at the World Cup. Tyler Adams ran right against England in the World Cup. He's a really good player. He's a captain. He's a fully different kind of midfielder than Caicedo or Enzo. He is much more of a destroyer. He's much more of a CDM. He'll sit back. He'll make a bunch of tackles to recover the ball. He is completely useless as uh, he gets closer to goal. Uh, so he's not he's not going to benefit you that way, which maybe makes him too one-dimensional. But if you do elect to have that sort of depth, I think it'd be a great depth sign. He's only $20 million. I mean, we just paid 25 <laughs> 25 fucking million for Brighton's backup goalkeeper. So I think as as you're looking at the midfield and trying to put the pieces together, Dan, for how the season might go with injuries and all sorts of shit, I mean, you could do a lot worse than Tyler Adams for 20 mil. 
You know, it still feels like he's just being evaluated as a backup option for a actual backup in the side if Caicedo were not available or injured. I think same maybe as like Santos, Andre Santos potentially being the backup to Enzo this season might be the way that that works out. And there's a whole lot before we record again very close to the end of the week and draw up who the starting 11 or projected starting 11 for Liverpool is going to be. But, I mean... If you spend $100 million on Caicedo and you get him registered by Wednesday or Thursday, he would be starting. Like, I just, I just I, I've, I've, zero, I've zero doubts that he would end up starting. I, man, I don't I, know. I know, <laughs> I know you don't agree. I know you don't agree, but I think it just would happen. Well, e- either way, the, the posturing is late in the window. We spent two and a half weeks with Brighton stateside. Um injuries quote unquote uh we're getting a lot of briefings from both sides this just needs to get done uh for everybody involved and if you know chelsea you have an opportunity without any competition to it one of the best up you know midfielders that's going to be around for a long time you we set the market we can't get mad at anyone else we set the market with enzo fernandez jude bellingham followed this is it right well how old's moses casado again like 22 21 21 21. I mean, come on now. Let's go ahead and do the damn thing. It's got to take care of those 10 siblings anyway. So you'd be doing everybody a favor, making the world a better place. But uh, guys, uh, I think that's it for a Chelsea update. It's always funny. We're like, yeah, I don't really know if there's anything to talk about. There's probably a lot of breaking news this week. And 50 minutes later, we got ourselves a pod fully baked. 30 full minutes on the goalkeeper situation. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. I stepped in when I could. Just getting back to season fitness. There it is. Uh, potential week ahead of us. Are we going to do a bunch of stupid predictions like we always do? Duh. Always. Awesome. <laughs> I hey, can't we wa- have to get one of us on the hook for something. A little, little, yeah. little fantasy Premier League while we're at it. A little the, shake yeah. and bake. Yeah, Dan. Dan, tell us about the, the fantasy the, Premier League. The, the league codes have been restored. Ooh. They'll be uh, shared out. Uh, there's the private league, which is just for members of uh, Patreon slash Discord. And then there's a public link this year that we'll use for everybody else. Good luck beating me. I was top from our group. Uh, but uh, we, the, whoever won last season absolutely ran away. The first away time. Them. The first time. And it just hey, I was a respectable third this year. And I, look, I, <laughs> As I didn't to I, an, three. Disrespectful Wild. third. <laughs> I usually quit three weeks in, so I felt like I was in it for a lot longer this year. Yeah. You know? I could see that. Um, yeah, more pods as well. We're excited. Uh, that, you know, essentially the season's really getting underway. Um, I Liverpool at Sunday already. I mean, we got the countdown. I got to deal with all my Liverpool friends right away. Uh, I need three points. I feel like mm-hmm, we're in a better mm-hmm, spot mm-hmm. than them, but we'll, we'll continue to ramp up this week. So happy pre-Premier League kickoff week. Uh, start to get your calendar set. You know, add the schedule to your work calendar if you haven't already. You know, just get in the habit. Remind your loved ones that you may be busy Saturday, Sunday mornings. Uh, just, just stuff. You got to get back into the habit and, uh, you know, we'll be there. So we appreciate you not breaking the habit of hanging out with us all summer. Uh, it's been a blast, especially those of you we saw in person across the tour. Anything else, gentlemen? Nope. All right. Well, until let's ne- go Premier League. <laughs> well, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.